And now, the cleanest hour in podcasting with your host, Ralph Peterson. This is the Housekeepers Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. Dare I say the cleanest hour in podcasting. This has been a whirlwind week for me. I'm sure it's been a whirlwind world. What am I saying? Whirlwind worldwide. <laughs> whirlwind week for you as well. My guest today is all the way from Seattle, Washington, Mr. Derek Grimm, the owner and founder of GCO Commercial Cleaning. How you doing, brother? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing really great. I so appreciate you coming on the show. And we were supposed to be on the show last week and then you know, life. my world, <laughs> my <laughs> world happens. fell apart and uh, so I had to reschedule. So thank you so no, much for being I, patient. I appreciate you for having me. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm honored that you, you reach out to me uh, to I'm, have me as a guest. Yeah, I'm excited to meet you because I was doing a little research, you know, when I was first reaching out to you and just really trying to find some people that I think would make good guests. And it looks like you've got quite a great story. You know, you're over there in Seattle. You're still in Seattle, right? Yes, sir. And you guys are all focused on green cleaning. Which, is that not accurate? So, it is accurate. We do have a green cleaning focus. But, as you know, nowadays, it, it with, you know, I'm not exactly sure which words are trigger words on, on this either. particular show. The pandemic. Show. The yeah, COVID, the pandemic. The- <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, it's funny. COVID K. But, it, uh, but it's, yeah, it's, we've had this, uh, you know, we've had to obviously, you know, make some adjustments and do some pivoting this, this season. Yeah, so A million percent. It's a weird thing because... There is there, green cleaning is a real thing. There, there's oh, yeah. a real, there's a lot of real natural clean airs out there. There's a lot of really environmentally friendly cleaner, not only cleaners but also techniques. You know, it's not yeah, just absolutely. about the chemical absolutely. you're using, but it's about techniques. But the thing that I work in healthcare, and the number one thing you learn when you start cleaning in healthcare is there is no such thing as a green disinfectant. Yeah, as a green disinfectant, that's very. It just doesn't I'm exist. I'm not going to say it. I'm, yeah, I'm, I wasn't going to say <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't exist. exist. If it does exist, I have no idea about yeah, it. Yeah. So. I think the closest thing, and this is the opposite of the closest thing, but the closest thing I can think of is like hydrogen peroxide, which it, isn't the green. not necessarily <laughs> as green as you'd like it to be. I know. Yeah. I, know. I know. I'm just saying. Like, uh, yeah, you know. We've also had a history with that particular chemical in the cleaning industry. So, yeah, we know how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, you know, I'm sure you've listened to the show. So I, I'd love to just start right back at the beginning. Are you from Seattle? Is that where you grew up? No, actually, I was born and raised in Orleans, Louisiana. And I, you know, until I was about 18 years old, and I moved up here to wow. Seattle, Washington to go to school. And I've kind of just planted my roots here. Been here how, was, how was growing up in Louisiana? Louisiana is an, an amazing place. It's beautiful. It's full of culture. It was a great place to grow up. I, I loved my upbringing. I loved you know being around you know, jazz music and, you know, parades and festivals is always a celebration for something. So it's an, it's an amazing place to grow up. I love it. I always wonder, you know, I grew up in Vermont most of the time and I was just back in Vermont because of a family mm. a death and we were up there, but people go up there for the first time and they're like, it's so amazing and beautiful. I never see a thing. So I always just wonder, like, you're like, Hey, you know, is it jazz and culture? I wouldn't have left the one square block I grew up on. <laughs> I wouldn't have noticed a thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it can get caught easy to get caught up. It's hard to see, you know, what's around you when you grow up in it, when it's all you know. 
you get mm-hmm. used to it. And so I actually uh, just took a vacation to Hawaii and uh, we met a bunch of locals there and they, you know, they don't seem to even <laughs> care that they're in paradise. You know, they, have, they, they know nothing else. So I was like, that's be nice. uh, my point. Exactly. They're yeah. like, what sunset? The sunset? What? Oh, what? Okay. <laughs> That's too funny. So what was it like growing up? Like, did you, uh, what did you do in school? Did you do any side jobs at all? Were you? Yeah. In younger, I was, I was, I would say very entrepreneurial at, at spirit, but I didn't have very many, uh, like, uh, examples of how to go about doing, you know, examples of how, how to go about creating a, an actual business, especially as a young kid. But mm. I, you know, did all the things like selling candy, washing cars and things like that just to you know make money and usually never for any particular reason other than just to do it and I wouldn't spend it on anything but candy but uh <laughs> but yeah but it was always kind of my interest to be uh, in sales or you know creating some type of entity that creates money for whatever reason how, before I how, knew what business was yeah how old were you how old were you when you first started like this little side hustle when you uh, were trying I to would, get cash I mean eight or nine years old I would go oh, and wow. wash, wash my family's car to go you know just for a couple of bucks so I can maybe get five or 10 bucks worth of candy from the corner store. But yeah, but yeah, or very early on, uh, very early on. I mean, I, wow. I probably you know was paying my own cell phone bill since I was about 12 years old. So, <laughs> you know, that's so fun. I didn't have a cell phone when I was 12. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't think you had the option. To be honest. No, I didn't. I didn't get a cell phone. I think until I was like 34, 35 years old. So um, I might be a little older, just a little bit. Just, just a tad bit. Though. Just a little bit. You look great, but, though. You look great. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. You know, I run every day. That's the secret. You gotta, that's the secret? That's the secret. I'm going to go run right after this. I, I got to tell you to be careful because I ran in Seattle. I ran the Seattle Marathon. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I ran it in 2019 in December. or It's the week between Christmas and New Year. And it's kind of like the last marathon of the year. Like it's almost like the last day before the New Year. And so it's like touted as a, for those it's of us who are thing. crazy enough to belong to a group called Marathon Maniacs, which kind of implies by its name that you have to be a little crazy to join the Marathon <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You have to be a little bit crazy. Yeah. And so you'd find, you know, generally just a bunch of maniacs out there trying to get their last marathon in for the year, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was very, very, very athletic. I, I, I played sports all through school and all through oh, high really? school. What did you do in what sport? What's your sport? My main sport was basketball, but I also did football and, and track. Did baseball when I was much younger, but I've always been involved in at least two or three sports a year, you know, since I was a kid. So nice. Uh, played heavily into you know me coming up here and deciding which school I wanted to go to, and you know trying to pick which sports team I could you know maybe have a future with, and and I ended up getting hurt and kind of finding my way around closer towards this industry and the actual the actual real working world where I started to get into sales and you know trying to use a little bit of what I went to school for, and yeah, and I've kind of found my way towards the cleaning industry. I know that's kind of skipping a bunch, but yeah, you just kind of skipped over a decade. I think, no, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Probably probably a decade and a half or so. You know, you know, what's fun is that team sports are so important to the entrepreneur, right? When you get into business, if you haven't, you know, it's always, it's always really interesting to me how people found their way. Just forget to the cleaning industry, just found your way into entrepreneurship, into the way of starting your own business and starting your own thing is so fascinating to me. Did you have, I know you said like there weren't very many influences as a kid who maybe showed you how to run a business or start one, you know? Yeah. Anything. Like the idea of starting a business yeah. or owning my own company, like that didn't come until way later in my yeah. life. You know, and 
I, I just never even thought it was an option for me. I, I assumed that it would take, you know, millions of dollars or, you know, thousands of dollars at least to get started. And, you know, I thought I needed so much. And yeah. I, so I just never even, yeah, I never would even tr- attempted anything serious until much later in my life. How are, do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have an older brother and two younger sisters. Oh, so you're kind of in the middle. You're, oh, you're in right, the middle. Right right in the middle. Yeah, oh, right in the no. middle. <laughs> what about your parents? What did your parents do when you were growing up? My dad is a drafter designer. He's uh, He worked for uh, Boeing for probably the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, he's worked for, yeah, basically doing the same in that same trade for, yeah, for all my life as far as I know. My mom as a project court and was a project coordinator for uh, uh, used to be capital post conviction project. Now she's on to doing her own entrepreneurial endeavors herself nowadays, but she was a project coordinator for the majority of my life. That's awesome. So that kind of lends to it too, though, right? Because your parents were, you know, if nothing else, just paving the way of, you know, put your head down and go to work and get it done. Exactly. Yeah. That's definitely where I get it from. No excuses. You got to do what you got to do. Get, you know, Get your work done and you know take care of things. So it's yeah, definitely bringing that I had to. You didn't collect like baseball cards or anything as a kid. I didn't do baseball cards. I did get uh, heavily into Pokemon cards. That was more my generation. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of is, has begun to to resurface now. Uh, so, but but yeah, I've kind of always paid attention to, to trends and popular things that are just in, in culture or pop culture definitely always interest me in, in things that people collected and things that increased in value. So I was always into watches and, and stuff like oh, that. Nice. So, yeah. I think that's where I first started, you know, just understanding the buy, sell trade, mm-hmm. you know, it was with baseball cards, football cards, basketball. Yeah, we, yeah we were, exactly. Yeah. Basketball cards. Yeah. You know, we're kids. Yeah. It's all, I mean, it was better than money, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You'd rather have the car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A million percent. Mm-hmm. Super funny. So why Washington to go to school? What were you going to school for? Well, I was going to school. I initially went to school for electrical engineering. My father worked for Boeing, which is up based in here in, in Seattle, Washington. So uh, it was kind of a perfect opportunity to, for me to swap from mother to father, yeah, being nice, around father nice. and have an opportunity to go to Western Washington University as well. I went to school up here for electrical engineering. I believed I'd wanted to be an engineer my entire life. I mentioned I have an older brother who's about seven yeah. years older than me. He is an engineer, an incredible engineer, civil engineer. He graduated college with two degrees at the same time. He got a physics degree and an engineering degree at the same time. Now works for the power company down south, but incredible engineer. And he's seven years older than me, so I wanted to be just like him when I grew up. So anything he said he was going to do, I wanted to do. He was a basketball player. I, I wanted to play basketball. He was an engineer. I followed him all the way up until college and wanted to be an engineer. So, <laughs> But yeah, so I went to school for electrical engineering. And then you get into it and you're like, what is this? Yeah, it got really hard. Yeah, that that <laughs> that stuff's pretty intense. So, <laughs> I mean, I did learn a thing, learn a thing or two, and even though I didn't finish, I didn't finish school. I did do some work as an electrical engineer, some work as an electrical engineer for an amusement company. But I just didn't like. I just didn't sit well in the field. Yeah, it, it you, really uh, wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. You didn't finish college. I did not finish college. No, oh, I did not. I, brother, your story is even better. See, I'm better. Oh, yeah, it, I'm a better two-time than I college dropout, and I actually Love started it. my cleaning company while I was homeless. So, <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How do you start a cleaning company when you're homeless? <laughs> How does that even yeah, work? Yeah, exactly. Yep, yeah, grit and work. Uh, at the time, I had uh, I'd lost a job. My the last job that I had was for a small weapons manufacturer. I just I'd gotten sick, 
And I'd spent some time in the hospital, but I'd never communicated with that, <laughs> with that employer that I was kind of dying in the hospital. And so they didn't hear from me for a month. Well, and so of like course a no I had, call, no show. <laughs> exactly. It was a no call, no show. So, but yeah, I lost that job and, and I fell on hard times, really hard times. And I kind of just struggling with what to do and researching. And that's where the kind of the idea of entrepreneurship or some way to just make money just to make ends meet, you know, it's an emergency now. Now I need to figure it out. And so someone was kind enough to allow me to use their mudroom. I didn't even know what a, a mudroom was until this, this person allowed me to use their mudroom for me to kind of lay my head at night. And it gave me a place to kind of, you know, watch YouTube and, you know, do research and, and try to figure out what it is that I could do to kind of take care of myself. And one of the main things that I found was just a phrase that someone said, you had to be of service to someone else, you know, in order to be, to be rewarded. And so that's all any business is, is there's just in service to someone else or providing something to someone else that they want. So you kind of have to think less about yourself and think about someone else and it kind of just works out for you. And so that was the approach that I took, the mental approach that I took. And, uh, you know, the, the only thing that I could think of that I could do with no budget was clean for someone. And so I figured if I do a good job, then I'd be able to do it for a while. Did and, you uh, do, did you, just to back up real quick, what jobs did you have going into this? You said you worked for a little bit for electrical engineering, a little bit. Just some... Yeah, immediately out of college, I worked for AT&T and Verizon as sales rep. And Did you I, work at all as a teenager? Like, did you work at McDonald's? Oh, yeah. Or... I mean, as a teenager, I worked as a fry cook. Uh, I was a line cook for an Italian restaurant on Esplanade yeah, in Louisiana. Okay. I worked for another restaurant called uh, Nacho Mama's, where I, I kind of <laughs> <laughs> made salads and wrapped burritos and stuff like that. I've been working since uh, since I can remember. I've always yeah, had a good, job. Yeah, good, good. Even into college, I was, you know, I was part of the Restech team that we helped everyone get their internet connection set up and fix computers nice. and stuff like that during on so campus. You're, so you're now sleeping in a mudroom and watching correct. YouTube on your phone. So that's the other thing I didn't have when I was a kid. I didn't have YouTube. Yeah, you had to, you had to, if you wanted to do research, you had to go yeah, find an encyclopedia was... or, anything, <laughs> or go to the library. I remember this is how bad it was. I remember the, so I, the, I, the first company I started was called Collectibles for Kids. And I was selling baseball and football cards at trade shows. Mm-hmm. And I got robbed. Like a guy, oh, wow. like, you know, this one kid came up and was distracting me on one side of the table. Another kid came up and took, mm-hmm. you know, half my, you know, my cards and two tables over while I'm freaking out. This other guy's like, Oh, I'm so, you know, we've seen that happen before. Sorry. We should have told you. See, that's what YouTube is for, right? You can yeah, learn yeah, that you can actually learn that lesson before it happens. <laughs> you at least know where to, you know, to keep your head on the swivel. Yeah, yeah, you got to definitely yeah. keep your head on the swivel. So YouTube, that's super great. Yeah, so, thankfully, because of the time that I was born in, I you know, have that at my disposal to be able to to research things and look things up, watch other people, and watch other experiences, and learn from them. So, uh, what was the first? I love the idea, by the way, that you said, "Hey, I can do this for no money." And I think that's so accurate. You can step into a housekeeping or a cleaning position, starting your own business, just relying on, don't you have your own cleaning chemicals already? Yes. Don't you have your own rag? Yes. Most people own their own vacuum. Good to go. I'll run all of it for you. You just, yeah, right? and I, I actually, for the very first job that I got, I borrowed the vacuum that was at the house that I <laughs> that I was staying in. So. That's but, even better. That's yeah. even better. So what was the first contract you had? What did you first start cleaning? Oh, I had the very, I remember my very first job. I was actually, it was actually, uh, I just made a, my very first Google listing or, or what have you. And 
probably the third day that it was up, I got a, got a call from someone at a, uh, a retailer in a, the mall near here, the Alderwood Mall. It was a wet seal, I believe, maybe seven years ago in the Alderwood Mall. And they were kind of just doing some construction or remodeling, and they wanted someone to come in and, and clean up. Just do and, construction uh, cleanup. Yeah, just so construction. That's kind of where it's exactly where, I've, where I kind of fell into it. So I went there. I, I did a good job, and I guess the contractor had made some type of mistake, and so they needed me to come back out. And so I kind of got you know paid twice for doing the same things, you know. So, and I quickly got to see that hey, there's there's some money in this. I, I should start asking some more businesses to if I can clean for them. And so. Then I kind of started to look and do more research towards commercial cleaning and you know how to actually make a business and I wanted to make sure that I was okay legally and so I looked up how to get licensed and insured and bonded and things like that. So those were the next things that I did so with that with did- that very first job's money was what I I think I, I they required that I have a million dollars in insurance and of course that baffled me when someone says a million dollars in insurance but. Back then, I think it was like 50 bucks because I was only, yeah. the only person working. <laughs> and so I was just like, I thought it was the end of the world. And, and uh, so I ended up reaching out to an insurance company. I'm like, oh, yeah, it'd be like 50 bucks a month. I was like, oh, okay, well, oh, great. Let's, let's, yeah, I got let's 50 get, bucks. Yeah, let's, let's get 2 million then. You know, that's, that's, that's money for everybody. Yeah, money, money for everybody. everybody. But yeah, no. Uh, but that, yeah, so that, that was kind of how I started. I went and got my license and got insured and bonded and I was kind of off to the races. Were you able to, a lot of times people are able to turn that, you know, that, hey, that one and done job into multiple jobs. Were you able to get more work from that contractor or from that store? Uh, actually, we do still have a relationship. Uh, the work is, it's sporadic. It's not mm-hmm. you know consistent, but they do. They're based in Houston, Texas, actually. And so every now and then they do reach out to us for jobs that they have out here. So it's nice to have, you know, relationships like that. But yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Very cool. And when, how did you then, you know, so you have a few jobs, you finally got some legitimacy under your belt. How do you go start getting more accounts? Are you knocking on doors? Are you cold calling? What are you doing? I did a little bit of, I did a little bit of everything when it was just me and who's my operation manager now, Maddie. We did a little bit of everything. We, made flyers we did handwritten flyers we did the uh, door hangers we knocked on doors we cold called oh my god did we cold call i still cold call <laughs> uh, yeah but you there's no there's really no way to get, get out of it especially nowadays when that we can't it's, really the, it's the best it's the number one way i make money is through cold calls really yeah i know nobody it, likes to swallow that pill it, but it doesn't you. surprise me but time and time again it's the story that i hear is, is that's how you build yeah, I absolutely hate it, but I wouldn't have been able to get started had I not, you know, went through it. I mean, it's for when you think about it, when you're starting out, it's those things that are free that just are work, you know, that elbow grease things that you have to, have to actually just do and, and get through. Those are the hard things to, to do. And those are the things that make you the most successful. So, uh, yeah, cold, I'm not surprised that cold calling <laughs> would be your you know, even, success even factor. Even to this day, you know, and I remember when I first got into sales, I was like, you know, because cold calling is the hardest the yeah. most terrible and i would make all kinds i would listen to everybody else like oh those that doesn't work you know you, you shouldn't be wasting your time with that everybody comes up with reasons on why you shouldn't cold call and what i realized is that nobody was cold calling and i just thought you know if you just sucked it up and started cold calling you'd be the only one yeah <laughs> you'd, be the only one. <laughs> you'd be the only one your competition's pretty low yeah. i remember i remember i did a poll on linkedin and i said are 
do you cold call in the morning, in the afternoon, or you do not cold call at all? And the only reason I was asking that question was to find out when I should be cold calling. Because if everybody's going to be right, like, yeah. <laughs> I cold call in the morning, they're like, I'm cold calling in the afternoon then. Uh, I so do have business, I'm going to do the morning. Resoundingly, everybody said, I don't cold call. I don't, I'm like, all right, well, then it doesn't matter what time I do because I'm the only one doing it. Yeah, I fought against it for a long time because I just, I, it would give me almost an anxiety. <laughs> like I, I, I would, I would make a list. I'd write a script and I'd practice it. And then I'd go to grab the phone and I, I start, I get cold sweats. It would be horrible. Yeah. I just, I hated it. But yeah, those things that you grit through and that you work through, it would actually end up being the, the most, you know, the things that bring you the most success. So I was, I, I hate it every day I start. But then once <laughs> yeah, I get you started, do it. Yeah. once I get started, it's super easy. Yeah, you're I in get it, super yeah. relaxed about it. Yeah, that's I, how it is for everyone. Once you're in it, you're in it. Once but, you're yeah. in it, you're like, eh, I'm just making calls. You know, at the end of the day, I'm just. It almost sounds like I'm not selling anything. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Good yeah, for you're you. just having you the know? conversation. This is the next person. Yeah. <laughs> next. Yeah, and luckily, I, I learned that you know I was able to get into cold calling a little bit easy just because I had done sales for AT and T and Verizon before, which I started as just. You know, your regular, the guy who would bug you in the mall you know, to try to buy a cell phone back, you know, back when it was new, whatever the new phone was. Or then I kind of became the guy you come to in the store. And then um, I think we're, we're based off we're commission sales. So uh, we're based off how many phones we could sell in a month. And this is before businesses even started to have, you know, cell phones or or any type of technology, you know, pertaining to cell phones or the Internet within their company. So. I was kind of among that first group of salesmen who would reach out to these trucking companies to sell them those you know, Nextel or walkie-talkie type situations. And I would bring those sales back to my office, my little small, <laughs> my little small sales, <laughs> sales department for AT&T. And, you know, that when we would struggle to make sales for 15 phones as a team from behind the desk, I would bring in a 30 phone deal and, <laughs> and they'd be like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> And so, I, you know, I got to sharpen my B2B sales skills in those arenas at, at those phone companies. So when I had the idea to clean, I never thought of cleaning houses. I always thought of cleaning buildings. So that's kind of why I went either the post-construction or commercial or you know, class A buildings that's, and stuff like that. That's very interesting, too. I was going to ask why commercial over residential? Yeah, I, went, I just the idea of residential never seemed appealing to me. So I felt like people would be really picky and there's never really a way to kind of have a consistent outcome or like a yeah outcome from the client the customer's perspective everyone's so different you know i feel like in commercial there's a I, there's a standard to meet and you can you know go but above that standard and everything's measurable a little bit more not to mention the revenue is more consistent and so it just made more sense to me from the beginning the, the budgets are a little bit larger not a little bit well a lot larger, a lot larger <laughs> in, yeah. in commercial and so that's the lane that I decided to, it made the most sense. So I've stuck there. Another thing that I learned, you know, along the way, I think I've done everything. I've done commercial cleaning, residential cleaning, school <laughs> cleaning, church yeah, cleaning, yeah. airport oh, yeah. cleaning, We've, stadium. I've, I've tried it all. Yeah. I've absolutely <laughs> tried it all. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it all. One of the things that um, is really important to know is the bigger the account, easier it is to run. Hell, it's the easier yeah. it is to clean. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're using eight people a day and two people call out, you can still get it done. You can still get it done. Yeah. If yeah, you're using helps. two people a day and one person calls out, forget it. Yeah, it's <laughs> I mean, now now becomes a stretch. Yeah. Yeah, you just lost half your staff. You know. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, a big so, staffing problem. 
that's why I think commercial cleaning to me makes the most sense as well, because it's so much easier to manage. I mean, if, if I have a call out and I'm a residential cleaner, the residences aren't getting clean. Yeah. The residents aren't getting clean. Yeah. That's, there's no way around it. No, yeah, there's no I've way always, around it. I've always preferred the, the consistency of commercial, the ability to be flexible with staff and having more staff in one spot. Yeah. You just have more people that are kind of trying to make something work. I feel like the more people, the more heads you have, the better. So that's yeah, commercials I, always work better for me. I agree. And it looks like you do nearly everything, right? You do gyms, you do all class A offices. Do you do any yeah. schools or anything like that? We don't do any schools currently. We did have a school under contract for a year, a couple of years ago. It's just not something that we went back into. But yeah, we've done a little bit of everything. But right now we have gyms, we have, you know, aerospace facilities, but, you know, but we're right next, literally my office is actually across the street from the Boeing field. So I'm surprised that throughout this video, there hasn't been a 747, <laughs> uh, you know, or a Dreamliner, you know, across and shake the building. But yeah, we do a, a couple of aerospace facilities. You're in the perfect location where, then. Warehouses. Right? I mean, exactly. We're in the perfect location for commercial. So I live by an industrial park myself. Yeah. And <laughs> I was thinking, I work in healthcare, so I clean nursing homes, hospitals. Yeah, yeah. You know, assisted living. So and I've, I'm not I've definitely steered clear of, <laughs> of the, I've been yeah, intimidated it, by it, but I've, I've kind of been listening to a, you lately, and it's kind of got me wanting to dabble into in there a little bit. Oh, well, if you're interested in healthcare, we can talk. I can tell you all about it. But my point is, is that with healthcare, all healthcare facilities are spread out. It's not like a hospital is next to a hospital is next to another hospital. Hospitals are 30, 40 miles apart from each other. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. in order to get, you know, that's not the same with like nursing homes. You can probably get, depending on your town you live in, I mean, Seattle's a good example. It's probably, good Lord, 40 or 50 nursing homes inside of a 10, 15 yeah, inside, mile radius exactly. in Seattle. So mm -hmm. Seattle's a good location, but there are a lot of locations where it's so rural that healthcare facilities are just so far apart from each other. You know, but I was going by this industrial park and I just thought to myself, well, if you just opened up a small little closet slash office for a cleaning company, you could own this entire, this entire, industrial entire area. <laughs> you know, nobody's working after five, six o'clock at night. And it'd be the perfect yep. ideal time to go and clean all these, every one of these industrial, you know, the factories over here, they all have office space. They all have floors. They all need floor care. You know what I mean? They all need their trash removed. Yep. And that's our specialty. That's literally exactly what we do. We sit in an industrial park that was a client before we came here. And we are now in every other, we're surrounded by industrial parks <laughs> sitting across the street from Boeing. And so See? now they're all clients and, you know, we're kind of just branched out from, from exactly. here. So. Smart man. Smart man. So I see it too. Yeah, I love it. Wouldn't have it any other way. And that's not to say that I don't think residential works at all. Unless this residential company is right next door that, you know, they're in the, you know, 20, 30 million dollars a year. So of course some people can figure it out. It just wasn't my lane. So yeah, no question. I agree with you. I mean, healthcare is not for everybody. Class A office buildings isn't for everybody. You know, health clinics isn't for everybody. You got to find, you know, what works for you either. Yeah. And I, I initially avoided the healthcare industry just because I, I feared the, I initially feared my lack of knowledge uh, at the time when I was, you know, first getting into clean out. I didn't know a lot about, you know, contact times or, you know, microns per square inch or, you know, or <laughs> whatever, whatever, all the other things that we've now like that everyone's kind of familiar with now since the pandemic. And so now that we've all been kind of knee deep in all, all of the 
ins and outs of cleaning and chemicals and stuff like that. Now there's no reason to be avoiding it. So, so now I've kind of been like, Hey, maybe I might go and knock on a couple of these uh, nursing home doors. I got to tell you now is the time. Now is the time. It's one of those industries that healthcare is one of those industries that hasn't been very big on outsourcing. Most healthcare facilities don't outsource. They don't outsource yeah. their cleaning. To yeah, yeah, they used to have their own janitorial stuff. Yeah. And the challenge with that now, is, as you kind of alluded to, is number one, the spotlight's been placed pretty heavily on, on oh, yeah. healthcare and the need for professionalism and yeah. knowledge mm-hmm. is just increased by 100%. I got to tell you, in 2019, you know, a short, nearly two years ago, if I would have brought up contact time, I would have been looked at like I was like wasting people's time. Nobody cared. Nobody cared, right? Yeah. Tr- now, uh, tr- you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> now everybody is super you're interested. Preaching in that, to you know. the choir. I couldn't get a, a potential client to listen to me from half of more than five seconds as I start to go into a clear a spiel about cleaning for health. You know, they just like, well, can you make it shiny? You know, like that, that's all we need. You just make it shiny. All right, whatever. You don't want you know because we were. That's always been our our slogan was cleaning for health. Like four years before COVID, we were cleaning for health, and you know we were trying to. You know, sell people on the idea, you know, we use, you know, HEPA filtration and, you know, we <laughs> nobody disinfect cares. and microfiber and blah, blah, blah. And nobody cared. You know, nobody nobody cares. cares. Now, they, it- now they're quizzing me on what I know. <laughs> they're like, well, do you know this? And what chemicals are you using? You're not mixing this with that. And, and but yeah, it's kind of interesting to watch the industry kind of flip upside down like that. It's been, it's been fun. And I'm, I'm happy to say that I was here before and after. So. It's been the best thing and the worst thing. For our industry at the same time, you know, I had somebody recently question the water temperature of my mop bucket. Of your mop bucket? Yeah, they wanted to know how hot the water was in the mop bucket, and I said it's not hot. It's they wanted to know how hot it was. Yeah, they wanted to know if we wanted to make sure that we were cleaning the floors with hot water. And I explained to her that we don't clean the floors with hot water. We actually clean the floors with cold water because it's I'm VTC curious how you would clean a floor with the hot water. So that's the rabbit hole. I, anyway. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the rabbit hole I decided to jump down with her because she's like, I don't think you're right. I think it has to be hot water. And I said, well, what temperature hot water? Because I've never seen a mop bucket with a plug. You know, I yeah, mean, I was they, like, yeah, am I supposed to plug the mop bucket? That's <laughs> You got you fancy technology. I thought I, I lean heavily into technology. If you got heated mop buckets over there, then you were doing stuff. I have. <laughs> I'm not at. It's a different level there. It's a it's a whole new. It, it's so bizarre. You know, like I said, that's why I mean it's like the good and the bad. But it's, it's right? good. Like, yeah, but I think oh, I think net net it's a good thing that that now more people are educated and now it's made selling easier f- for us. You know, so which we needed to during the pan during the pandemic. So agreed. Agreed. But yeah, it's been great. It's been it's, great for the industry. And staffing at this point is, I mean, literally, if you have staff, Oof. you are ahead of the game. You are, yeah, yeah. It's staffing is horrible right now. It's horrendous, and yeah, it's it's been a struggle for us. It's been a huge struggle for us. So we're lucky to have the people on staff that we have. I'm glad that the the culture in, within the company is are just not the type of people who want to stay at home, you know, or or want to or kind of just sit around and do nothing. We have the type of culture that that's full of people who want to work and want to get after it and want to make a difference. So, you know, blessed in that manner and I'm thankful for it. But yeah, it's definitely not the same. Recruiting is a, is a bear. I think 
you know, I keep, I've been, first of all, I've been working in cleaning for more than 20 years and I've always been short staff. So it's, yeah, I mean, we've always, yeah, there's always that, you know, before this, it was a turnover if it wasn't, you know, if we weren't getting applicants. So there's, there's always staffing issues. There's always some staffing issues to solve. So yeah, so it's, true. it's nothing really new to us. In no, this not industry. at all. It's always not been a high turnover. Always, it's always a challenge. It's always with, a challenge. And I would say with some understanding, you know, not everybody yeah. wants to be a cleaner, right? Which yeah, is totally exactly. fine. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm under the, I'm under the, Hey, if you need something for now, come to work for me. Right. <laughs> I'm great for yeah. now, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you know, we usually stick to people who have full-time jobs or other part-time jobs. And those tend to be the people with the, you know, that fit the culture that, you know, that, that just want to make extra. We found that it's, we, when we try to target or go after people that have no no work whatsoever or nothing going on at all you know we get a lot of the no call no shows or they're not even show up for the interview or come to the interview and then never show up or we never hear from them again and do you so, have any do you have any thoughts as to why that is i mean i guess if you're already if you're already working then uh you may be inclined to maybe you know maybe you have some goals and you're just trying to figure out how to how to reach them and people who aren't working yet are are just trying to, you know, figure, just trying to figure it out from the start. I'm not exactly sure. I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't tell you, but it just seems to be that way. Yeah. I don't know either, to be honest, but I do have a theory. I've been thinking about it a lot because we have the same, we have a, so our challenge in healthcare is we don't clean during, clean at night. We clean during the day. And so it's a full okay. 37 and a half hour or 40 hour a week job. It is a full time seven to three thirty in the afternoon job. That's cleaning in healthcare, in nursing homes anywhere, and in senior care. In hospitals, there's a lot of night care, but a lot of mm-hmm. night cleaning, but not in nursing homes, not in senior care. And so we're having this big challenge with getting people to show up for work, show up for interviews. And I'm just, and I, I just started to realize that, you know, what I think what the number one problem is they don't need to work because otherwise, if they needed to work, they would be. So I think yeah. people just simply, and I don't know how or why, or, you know, what their rent situation is, but I don't think people just need to work. I don't. I don't know they why don't that is. Work. But it doesn't make any sense to me otherwise. Because if you didn't have money and you didn't want to work, you're in real trouble. Yeah. But if you have <laughs> a little bit of money and you don't want to work, maybe you're okay. Yeah, maybe you're all right. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little bit's enough. I don't know. I don't know. It's a yeah, struggle. That, that may be the the unlock of this whole era is that people realize that. They never did need a whole lot of money to, 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 you know, to be happy. And they just really would rather have more, you know, what they call work-life balance, I guess, or, or no work-life balance. <laughs> <laughs> a work-life askew. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> a little bit of work, a lot of life, which yeah, is not a bad model. I'm a bad model. to it. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> not a bad model. I just, I just wonder if we've maybe hit, you know, a utopia that, the utopia of imagine, you know, like I, as a kid, I remember like my grandparents retiring. I remember my grandparents retiring and they were finally going to be able to do whatever they wanted, right? They were finally going to have free days and it's not just going to be a Saturday and Sunday where they're having to go paint half the house or mm-hmm. fix the car or mow the lawn. Yeah. They were actually going to have time. And I wonder if that's it. I wonder if because the wages are going up so much and maybe the expenses are staying super low that people are finding that utopia where they can, yeah, where they can live do off of two days a week, three days a week. I don't know. 
I can't. I mean, I'm, be, I'm working 80. I don't know. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I work 80. I work 70, 80 hours a week. So I, 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 I don't know. I don't but either. Maybe it could be the, the results of a, a good economy. I mean, the economy was great for so long. You know, that you know, just kind of could be the results of you know having that type of stimulation. So I, the reason I even bring it up and you know try to figure it out really is because I think it's up to you and I. I think it's up to the business owner. I think it's up to us to figure out how to, you know, because let, let's, let me say it like this. If the truth is that nobody wants a full-time job anymore, that everybody just can work a part-time and they can live off a of part-time and only, everybody's only interested in part-time, then I've got to adjust my business Yeah, <laughs> start only hiring part-time Some, uh, workers. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean... You're already uh, in that staff, business. Yeah, a lot of our staff are already part time. We're mostly part part time, and it, it just because it, it works out that way. So, um, and I think it's you know, easy, easier to to move someone who's already moving than to get someone from from a dead stop. So, yeah, no question. I had a friend John who said, "I never win the battle from the couch." So if, if somebody's not from, working, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, from the couch. Yeah. They're, they're, from the they're couch gonna, is not a good. They're place probably going to stay not working, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a yeah, fair. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Mm-hmm. Wholeheartedly agree. Got to figure it out, though. We got to figure it out. We got to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, we really don't have a choice. I mean, we've always had staffing issues, so yeah, we we have to figure it out. I mean, whether it's we have to figure out what the appeal is to the to people and what they want out of out of employment now in this new new normal that we live in, and uh, as employers, I guess yeah, you're right. It is up to us to kind of provide that form, and that's we've always kind of led with that employees employees first kind of mentality with you know. What's what's going to be, you know, what's going to make this as not necessarily an enjoyable, but you know, what's going to be the most beneficial for for both for both parties and keep the employee happy. What's the um, just off the top of your head, like what's the average age of your workforce right now? Well, that, it's all over the place. We have. Um, I know, but what's your average? Is it in early twenties, early thirties, older? So we usually don't have anyone. In the twenty-seven to maybe thirty-five or thirty-six range, we usually don't get that young. It's usually young, maybe for right out of high school or college, eighteen to twenty-four, and then we'll have you know forty-five to you know sixty, you know sixty years old. You yeah. Know. Okay. So same with me. Really? Okay. Same with me. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty much the same. Yeah. For some reason, we haven't been able to. You know, infiltrate that middle that middle age group for employees yet. So. Yeah, and the the younger, you know, eighteen to twenty four, are just passing by. Yeah, exactly. Know? And um, you know, you get somebody forty, forty five, they're usually the best, which is super interesting because you maybe maybe you know this, but there's a a law in the books called it's a age discrimination. So. There's an age discrimination law that you're not allowed to discriminate against people because of their age. And it doesn't come into effect until people turn 40. And the reason it's so funny when you think about it, because it's the last class of people that we would discriminate against is right. Yeah, those are the ones that we want. (laughs) Bring me all your 40 year olds. (laughs) Bring them all to hiring 40 year olds, 40 plus. But when the law came out in like the late 70s, it was business practice was to hire to fire 40 year olds and hire 22 year olds so they would take their new college kids and and fire all the 40 45 year olds and so they literally made a law That's interesting wow. i know that I you did can't not know dis- that 
I know, and you can't discriminate against people over forty. And uh, it's so tough. It's <laughs> talk about a change of time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that super funny. I did not know that. Yeah, very interesting. That's hilarious stuff over here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so so what's next for you guys? You guys are. Doing, it looks like you guys are doing really well. It looks like you have a lot of accounts. You're really busy. What's- yeah, we are really busy. It's just we're kind of being really picky with clients that we take on because of the staffing issues. Now we we used to be able to kind of take whatever job kind of comes our way and anything comes up, new clients. But now even you know even two three year contracts we have to turn down just because of the style of of it, and we don't want to run into any staffing issues during this era. We don't know what to expect, so we've been really picky with saying yes to only certain types of jobs. So, so we can make sure we have you know enough lead time to make sure it's properly staffed and everyone's properly trained. It's harder to take those medium sized sized jobs now or smaller jobs where you would have those one or two cleaners and, and things like that. So yeah, it's been difficult. We're just kind of taking it day by day as as anyone else can and you know and seeing how how the industry comes back and how the world comes back. So um, that's is is recruiting then your number one focus right now? Then I mean. Nope. Sales is always our number one focus. <laughs> sales, is, <laughs> sales is always our number one focus. Yeah. You're just but no longer taking those smaller on. accounts. Exactly. Yeah. Now, yeah. yeah we're no, now we're, now we're no longer accepting you know, the smaller or medium size. I think that's pretty common. I think that's pretty yeah. common where, you know, you get, you just get to a certain size and you start understanding how much easier it is to run bigger accounts. It really, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. Makes complete sense. I see some of your floor care though. You guys have posted a few pictures of floor. I'm a big fan of floors, by the way. I'm a floors are the most important spaces in, in these facilities. Thank you. Man. Yeah, they're the most important. That's most. It. It's more important than a clean toilet. And when I say that, people <laughs> lose their mind on me. But I'm like, I'm telling you, how many people see that toilet? Two, three, five, ten. How many people see that lobby floor? Everybody. 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 <laughs> every single body. Yeah. Very true. But I will say that the toilet will. Will probably cost you more customers than, than than your floors. You know what? You know what's interesting is, and again, I work in healthcare, and healthcare is a really unique situation where you have both the customer and the employee spending an equal amount of time and at this so place. Right. And what's really interesting is how the clean, dirty aspect of your workspace affects the employee. Yeah, oh, yeah. And so at some point, the customer is super important, of course, but your customer is in and out, in and out, in and out, seeing it once, twice, you know, maybe once a week, or whatever. The employee is seeing it every single day. And if it's less than desirable place, clean, it wise, kills morale. Yeah. It kills morale. Yeah. It kills it's, it. It's really difficult, yeah, to work when you, you it, your aesthetic is kind of down. You, it, it affects your emotions where. We're all like empathetic creatures in that sense. You know, your, your your surroundings are going to affect your mood, and your you know your mood's going to affect your performance or your efforts. And yeah, it, it all plays into it. And you know, we sell that. So yeah, I'm yeah, that's good. Believer. You got to focus on that. That's super yeah. smart. I being in in my position, I'm blessed with having the opportunity to see an awful lot of service entrances. Right, a lot of people want to take me around and show me stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I'm always very grateful. I love it. But I walk into a service entrance and see like it's all 
you know, the employee break room is just a piece of junk. I'm like, you guys are doing it wrong. You're doing it's it wrong. not okay. It's okay. It's got to be better. It's got to be as good, if not better, than the customer experience because your customers yes. are in and out. Yeah, exactly. Your employees are there every day. Every Take single care day of your employees. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Yeah, people have, will send their employees and have them sitting in, in filth and wonder why no one actually wants to come to work. It's because it's, it's disgusting. Yeah, listen, here's the thing. Just a little tip for those who are not sure if they're on the spectrum here of whether or not they're treating their employees well or not. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a little acid test here. Here it is. If the furniture, when you get new furniture and you give the old furniture to your staff, <laughs> right? You go to the employee terrible. break room and not a chair matches, right? Yeah, not Tables a chair. are half broken. There's pieces of paper underneath the table leg to even it out. Yeah. That's you putting the employees after. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we tell, we tell our clients is that we want to get you on the other side of your employees foot flushing in your, in your facility. You don't want, you don't want boot marks on your toilets. <laughs> You know, they, they, they shouldn't. They shouldn't have to feel like they need to flush with their feet. Yeah, that's that's, that's interesting. I do not flush with my feet, but you'd be I surprised do, how many people do. I know. I do lift the toilet seat with my feet. With your foot, yeah. Yep. There you go. <laughs> I do indeed, and I have a friend Ray who he was maybe the first person I ever see just kind of like legit flush anything with his foot, and I mean urinal like. How are yeah, you getting yeah. your leg up to your head to press that's that a, lever? <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. A flexible gun. It's a flexible gun. I'm like, Karate you're going to wash your hands anyway, aren't you? I mean, are you avoiding washing? What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> trying to avoid washing his hands. Just doesn't want to know. He always washes his hands, but he always uses his feet. I'm like, well, yeah. Some people get, don't even want to, they don't even want to go near it. Yeah. Overkill. Overkill. Yeah, um, Good old Seattle. Yeah, I love it here. I I love it. It's beautiful. It's definitely a contrast from where I where I grew up. You know, going from completely flat, hot and humid all the time to you know, pretty brisk, snow capped mountains year round. It's it's beautiful scenery. You know, sunsets here are, are gorgeous on the West Coast. You know, people here are lovely. It's great. I love being out here. You know what you have there too, other than a lot of hills. Like I mentioned, I ran a marathon in Seattle. Good yeah, Lord. yeah. So yeah, you, you know, yeah, we got <laughs> quite up, a few hills. Straight down, straight up, straight down. Yep. There is a oh gosh, what is that called? The pier right there. You have a pier. It's super famous. You have a fishing the Ferris pier. wheel on it, or oh, a fishing pier. Yeah, you have a fishing pier where there's a fish store that is super famous, and I can't think off the on top Pike's of my place? head. Pikes? Is it Pikes? Yeah, Pikes, yeah. Pike. I here's the thing about Pikes. And this is going back a few years ago because it was a, I read a study on Pikes. But so I don't know what it's like today. But at the time, they had something that nobody had. They had a ton of people wanting to work for them. Like there was a waiting list oh, of yeah. people to go to work for this Pikes Pier, the fishing the, where you pick up the fish. Yeah. And the way that I heard the story was what makes that so significant, other than, of course, anybody wanting to work some places, work, says yeah. a lot about the <laughs> yeah. place. You know, mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I grew up in Vermont, and Ben and Jerry's had just opened up, 
and everybody wanted to go to work for Ben and Jerry's, like everybody. And it, and it, it was like rumors, like you got free ice cream, you got mm-hmm. massages, like all this stuff. Like I have no, I never worked there. I just it was. It was this rumor that it was an amazing place, it, right? So, okay, so Pike's Pier has like oh, this waiting list of people who want to work there, and the story I heard is to understand how terrible the job is. It starts at like three, four o'clock in the morning. You're unloading fish off of a boat. By the way, the fish are packed in ice, so it's freezing cold. It's back breaking because they're heavy boxes. Yeah, it's fish. not a fun job. It's yeah, not it, a. It's, it's the not opposite. An enjoyable it's job, smells. but they still have a line of applicants of people waiting and waiting. Exactly. Good. And the question is, why? Do you know why? Everybody want to work wants to work there. I couldn't tell you. I would. It's because the culture is fun. Because when somebody orders a fish, they're you don't just it across grab, the room. Yeah. You <laughs> throw the fish, and so they're always showing these pictures of fish being chucked over Flying the over the aisles, and they're catching it in newspaper, and it's fun and it's exciting, mm-hmm. and you're making people smile and laugh. And I, just, you know, I, I bring that up only to say, if they can make fishmongering, if that's a thing. <laughs> Whatever it's called, yeah. Whatever it's called. If they can make that fun. One of the most sought after jobs. Right. We should certainly be able to make cleaning Cleaning. fun. Yeah. I think one of the biggest challenges we have in the cleaning industry, other than our reputation, is terrible. You know, because nobody wants to be a cleaner. Yeah. But other than that, I think that, especially in healthcare, is everybody works solo. So I, you know, we don't work in teams at all. We sell, you're going on that way, you're going on that floor, you're going on that floor, you're going to take the lobby, you're going to take the, you know what I mean? So everybody's yeah, solo. Yeah. And so they don't, and then in healthcare, we don't allow you to wear headsets. And so we can't, you know, you can't even bebop around. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's, that seems strict, yeah. So it's terrible. It's terribly more difficult to build that fun community you know, can't wait to get to work to hang out with my friend kind of atmosphere. Yeah, when everyone's kind of off doing their own thing yeah, as yeah. the job. Yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, that, I mean, that there's still something to be said for that that culture that you know, they still had to. They've obviously figured out a way for for that, and they're the they're the vibe of that entire that entire market. You know, everything else is the way it is. Kind of that energy builds from right there, you can tell. And so, if you can recreate that in your company, no matter in you know, in some some fashion, then you know, we should all, you should be able to have some success. On a side note to that, that's my dad would have never tolerated right in the beginning. Had we thrown fish in the house, he'd be like, cut it out. And that would have been the end of it. Right. You know the end of fish throwing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there'd been no business. There'd been no, no fun had. There'd been no books, no, no videos no, made. <laughs> nothing, nothing. My dad would have put an there'd end to that fish. One fish thrown and that was the end of that. <laughs> Whoever, whoever embraced it, you know, somebody had to embrace it. Yeah, somebody it. just embraced it. That, cause it, that's usually what it takes is the, it's not one crazy person. It's that second person. It's that second crazy person that usually creates the whole movement. You know, it helps yeah, create that like, whole movement. Somebody does something weird and it's the second person that's like, Oh yeah, do that. And now yeah, everybody's on. Exactly. I want, I want to meet that guy. Like yeah. who is it that saw his fish flying around him? That's not terrible. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> do it again. <laughs> do it again. Get another customer in here so we get can throw the fish around. Yep. Yeah. It's great. I love it. But I, yeah. I love being out here. I love cleaning these the spaces out here. There's a lot of 
in you know incredible companies that you know, I I really would like to to get into and but yeah I, I love being around business now once after being in business for the past seven years it's, it's I've come to just love business in itself you know cleaning is obviously my where I got my start but now we've, you know moved on into media I've started a media company that, what know. I didn't know that yeah 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 I actually started nine media creative it's a creative studio that now sits behind Gco in in this space that we're in right now. So we have a media studio just next door, but yeah, I, I fell in love with just the idea of business and running businesses and and helping people who you know started a little bit closer to where I started to actually kind of make a living for themselves. And so now that's what I'm doing now. And that you know through my media company and through my YouTube channel where I help you know others cleaners or people who kind of want to thinking about getting into into the cleaning business. I'm kind of there to be a guide and be another one of those voices like I was able to turn to when I first started researching oh, what can I do to make some money or how can I you know make a living and so that's kind of where my my focus is now leave a lot of the day-to-day stuff to the operations manager I know she hates me for that but <laughs> but yeah I, I kind of oversee more how things are going on from a more upper level position now that's really great you know you said in the beginning when we first started the talk you were talking about how one of the first things you really heard about in business is that you really have to focus on service and how that's kind of been the driving force behind you. Yeah, it's kind of the thing that you understand the most. And I wanted to comment on it right away. I and mean, it's I just kind of been sitting with it, you know, as we've been just talking here. But I think like, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Like if you yeah. worried about me and I worried about you, we would have We'd all be taken care of. We would all be taken Yeah, I'm I'm reminded of those it was a weird fable. I don't even remember where I heard it or a story about people on an island. Their arms are made of spoons, really long spoons, just two sets. And I guess, you know, on one island, they all die because they're all trying to feed themselves with too long of arms as spoons. So they can't really eat. And on the other island, they all, you know, they all live prosperously, proper, prosperously because they feed each other with their long arms and, you know, made of spoons. So, you know, if I think that's the rest of the world thought like that, we'd be able to kind of, you know, feed each other and help, help each other out. But even in a more, heard that story. (laughs) I don't know where I heard that weird story of people with spoon hands, but I heard it somewhere. I love it. It stuck with me. It stuck with me. But yeah, I think that's it's a mentality that we more of us should adopt. Yeah, I I just saw a a video of a teacher who put like filled a hallway full of balloons, and all the kids' names were on all the balloons, and they sent them out. Did you see that? Go find your own balloon, and nobody could find Mm -hmm. their own balloon. Yeah. It's and then everyone change, pick up a balloon and, and you give it to give somebody it to the who owns it. Yeah. And of course, yeah, you know, exactly. in seconds. Exactly that. Exactly that. And I think, I think that is the, it's, it's not unique to you and I. I think it's actually the driving force behind business owners, behind entrepreneurs. And I think that behind, that's yeah. what people don't see. You know, they think of yeah, you know, capitalism and, and money hungry. Yeah, no, I, it's I, being of service to someone. How much value can you bring to the market? How much value can you bring to someone else? You know, those, the people that, the people are all like, I hate this person. They make so much money. They don't have to make that much, much money, but I see that. And I'm like, wow, they must have helped or given, you know, happiness or whatever they provide to so many people. Like they should be rewarded in, in that way. Because you, that's the only way. Imagine, imagine you just giving your money to someone that doesn't do anything for you. You're not going to do that. You got to give someone to your money to someone who's providing you with something, who's giving you something that's either going to make you happy or help you advance in some some other type of way. But that's what it starts with. Whatever you can do, whatever you're good at, if you have a, a talent or a skill, 
Uh, if you apply that to help someone, then there, there's your business. It doesn't matter what it is. Agreed. Agreed. I couldn't have said it better. I think that's the, it's certainly my motive, my motive. I mean, I love, I'm an educator, you know, so I, you know, yeah, my you wife's go. an educator, you know, like we just love to teach. I just, I'll show you how to tie your shoes. I mean, it can be <laughs> that, that. I mean, I like that, you know, anything. I just enjoy it. It's just fun for me. And it gives me a lot more than it probably gives the people I'm working with. You know, I get a lot of joy out of helping people. So I think that's the start of a great thing right there. Obviously, seven years later, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a great one. That's the mentality we went through, you know, starting. Uh, we've applied that mentality to bringing on employees. It's how, you know, how can we be of service to you? How can we make this opportunity good for you? And it's worked on all fronts. So it hasn't failed me yet. So we have service to someone else and everything else kind of falls into place. I love it. And I know that we're short on time here, but I do have to just bring up one question because with a name like Grim, how you didn't go Grim Cleaning and just go with GCO, I don't know. Like, how did you pass up Grim Cleaning? Like, I tried. So if you, so if you saw, if you, you emailed my other email, you'd see that it's Grim Corporation. That was the original name of GCO. That was the, you know, it used to be Grim Corporation. I just didn't think it sounded very happy. You know, it's, it's, it does sound, not sound happy. That's fair. Just didn't sound very happy or, you know, and, yeah. so I shortened it to, to GCO. So now yeah, Grim, the, the Grim, Grim Company. So. We're happier than we sound. No, <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Too funny. So how do people get a hold of you? How If somebody wants to work with you, if they want to work for you, is there a website, an email? What's the best way? Yes. Yeah, so if you want to work for us, you can apply. You can find us on Facebook at GCO Commercial Cleaning or all the other social medias at GCO Clean. Is it G.co or just G.co? Straight across if you're on social media that, yeah. it, or, or on the web, it's just G, GCO Commercial Cleaning.com if you want to yeah. you know, reach, reach out to us for you know, a quote or anything, or if you're uh, you know, re- looking for work out here in the Seattle area, we've got uh, plenty of work for people out here. Reach out to us, submit an application. We'd be happy to, to work, you know, to bring you in, have an interview with you. Perfect. If By the way, are, I, uh, I just require you to show up. I don't care if you fill out an application yeah, or if, not. <laughs> if you tell me, I, <laughs> man, I maybe not even fill an application. Just show My up. address is public. If you Google us, you can just show up at the front door. Yeah, we, got, That's right. we got plenty of, yeah, we got plenty of uniforms for you. Throw a uniform on you and get you Perfect. trained up. I'm just yeah, clarifying. Yeah. I'm just clarifying. Absolutely. No. <laughs> uh, but if, uh, if you're in the you're thinking about getting into the cleaning industry and you're, you're looking for a guide or maybe someone else's experience to watch, I've been filming my experience and what I've been doing for the last two and a half years on YouTube. So you can go and find me on YouTube at DJ the Boss. Uh, there's a, a few DJ thousand of us now. Boss. Yep, that are it's the Boss family. My Boss family. So shout out to the Boss family. A lot of those guys are watching on YouTube right now on my on my YouTube channel. Nice. Uh, so yeah, join us a bunch of like-minded uh, entrepreneurs who are just trying to figure out our way in this industry. So, but yeah, you can reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of that stuff. I'm all over the social medias. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'll have all of your contact information in the show notes when this comes out as a podcast and we'll link it right to, right to this video, right when this is over, I'll put all your, your links in there as well. So if anybody wants to reach out to you at all. They can. Awesome. I appreciate you so much, Ralph. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate hearing your story and learning where you came from. And I mean, you're just proof once again. And every week I get to have this opportunity to just once again meet some incredible people who was homeless living in a mudroom. For those of you who don't know what a mudroom is, by the way, 
That's between the, the front door but, yeah. and the door into the house. That little space is called a mud room. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, where your yeah. shoes where go. Where you take your shoes off and yeah, before you go into the actual house. Exactly. Like, oh, people, people with money make some stuff, they man. Have a is, mud room? They got a place to just take your shoes off before you go in the house. I was like, this is a whole room. I was like, I can sleep here. I was like, matter of fact, can I sleep here? I sleep here. I just saw a video. I just saw a video of, of an artist. This goodness, where were they? They were, they were somewhere. I don't know, but they were having this whole renovation where you know the builders are taking up all the spots, and they found this little room in a mall that's unused, and they decided to live there, and they lived there for like four years. What? Yeah, in a mall. They lived <laughs> in, a, in a mall in a random room for in a mall. Four Years because there was a room that was created accidentally, but it was unusable. And (laughs) some bunch of artists found it. Like they had, they had water, power, television, like the ingenuity. I mean, you got to respect the ingenuity. (laughs) You really do. You really do. Thank you so much for being on. I I really appreciate it. That's it. The housekeepers podcast. Make sure that you like and follow. Let me go ahead and change my point of view here since he abandoned me. Let me see here. Let me see. Oh, hey. Nope. That's not it. That's not it. That was the wrong one. Here it is. Here we go. Housekeepers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And I will see you next week. Make sure you like and subscribe and share. And you know what? Do good things. And good things will happen for you. That's it, the Housekeepers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. Keep in mind, the best way to ensure that you never miss an episode of the Housekeepers Podcast is by subscribing to the show and following us on social media. For those of you who are more visually stimulated, you can always watch us record the show live each week on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. In fact, we post all of our videos on YouTube, so make sure you are subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you love the show and you want to help us out, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with all your friends and families and colleagues. And if you are looking for more information about today's guest, all of their contact information and the links to their websites are in the show's notes. That's it. Until next time, this has been the cleanest hour in podcasting. I am Ralph Peterson, and I'll see you later.